Well, good morning again. Welcome to St. Paul's. So glad you're joining us either online or in person uh, today, wherever you are on your spiritual journey. Now, last week in our teaching series, This is Jesus, Tyler looked at the account of a blind man who, uh, named Bartimaeus who boldly asked Jesus to give him his sight back. And memorably, Tyler said, getting your eyes back, that's not a thing. Today, we heard Carrie read an account of Jesus' encounter with another man, this one uh, named Lazarus, and how Jesus raised him from the dead. That's so not a thing. I don't go to funerals, and I don't think you do either, expecting the dead man to come into the reception and join us for sandwiches. If that was possible for Lazarus, what could it mean for us? Because I'm made from the same stuff that he was. Let's explore today how the fact that Lazarus was raised from the dead can equip us for our daily lives right here in uh, Toronto, the trenches of like real life. It's uh, John chapter 11, 32 to 44, if you're following along on your phone, or it's page 105 on the Bibles uh, in front of you. Now, there's a famous painting that hangs in the Uffizi Gallery in Florence, and it depicts Faust, you know, that mythical German character playing chess with the devil. Have a look. It should be on the screens. The chessboard, it can be clearly seen, and the devil has Faust checkmated, and he's soberly claiming his eternal soul in victory. And apparently, one day, the story goes, a grand chess master came to the Uffizi to look at the painting. And he stood there, staring at the chessboard for several hours. Then suddenly, he stepped back, and he shouted at the top of his voice, It's a lie! The knight and the king have another move. It's a lie! I'm not much of a chess player, but I do understand what checkmate means. And that's what death can feel like. Life's final, crushing, irrevocable blow. You live, you die. Death in all its forms. Our physical deaths, which is often preceded by suffering and pain, the death of a marriage, the death of a friendship, the death of a career path, the death of a church. Checkmate. No. No, says Jesus, that's, that's a lie. You have another move. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, will live. Do you believe this? The fear of death, which will come to each one of us, it's like a base note of anxiety running through all our lives. A, a base note because you can't usually hear base notes. Rather, you, you feel them. And this fear of death is underneath so many of our concerns and our anxieties. And I think it's knowledge of this promise, the promise of there being another move on the chessboard, of God's power to raise people from the dead, that can uniquely equip us to live with hope and confidence in the trenches of real life. You know, life where jobs are lost. Children make decisions that break your heart. Uh, you feel lonely in this city, and Squid Game is the most popular show ever. How might this be the case? 
Let's dig into the story a little bit because it's one of the most unnerving in the whole New Testament. Our reading picks up the story midstream. Lazarus was a contemporary of Jesus along with his sisters Mary and Martha. And so this meant he was probably a young man, you know, in his late 20s, early 30s. And he becomes mysteriously sick. And we're then told that Jesus loved the whole family. But when he receives a note from the sisters saying that Lazarus is sick, he didn't drop everything and rush to his friend's side. He arrived a few days later. And finding out that Lazarus has died, we're told that Jesus openly cried. It's the shortest line in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. It's actually a remarkable little detail. The ancient Greeks believed that God was apatheia. God was not capable of relationship and emotion. Eastern religions believe that God is outside the flow of everyday life, beyond grief and pain. And Islam has a view of God so exalted that the idea of God becoming human flesh is incomprehensible. Jesus wept. We then hear that Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he's been dead four days. Uh, The King James Version of the Bible uh, from 1611 has a fantastic translation. And Martha said, Lord, he stinketh. It's an important detail because it meant that Lazarus' body had begun to decompose. And according to Jewish belief, the soul had now departed his body. He was, in other words, completely and irrevocably dead. The reason that this passage is rarely preached on anymore is partly because it's so uncompromising. This is not going to be some emergency room resuscitation or near-death experience. No lights or lilies or butterflies. Like, there's no soft voices floating off into another world. No. This is going to be, if it's going to be anything, it's going to be the resurrection of a dead body. Just a bald, unadorned corpse walking out of a grave. Martha, hearing that Jesus was on his way, she runs out to meet him with a face filled of a reproach and pleading trust. And she says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus' simple response your brother will rise again, it seems to grate on Martha. I know, I know, I know he's going to rise again. That resurrection on the last day. As if to say, that's all really nice, but like what about right now, Jesus? He's dead and you did not come. Verse 25. Watch out for the hair on the back of your neck. Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? No other great religious leader in recorded history has ever made such a claim. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Moses. Only Jesus of Nazareth claims to be alive now. Someone that Christians refer to in the present tense. Only Jesus claims that God can and does raise people from the dead. Verse 43. 
When Jesus had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now, it's, it's interesting. Notice that John doesn't say Lazarus came out but so as to emphasize how breathtaking this moment must have been, he records the dead man came out. If this is true, this thing that is not a thing, the coming back to life of a corpse, if this thing of unexpected beauty is actually true, if God has the power to do that, then imagine the possibilities in life. We're a, a diverse group of people with different doubts, different questions, and some of you may already be there, right? You may have experienced Jesus as alive uh, in your life already. Maybe it's in prayer or in the bread and the wine. Uh, maybe you're serving Jesus already in the faces of the poor and the abused. The living Lord Jesus may already be known to you. And those who are preparing for baptism in our St. Paul's community, that's what they're getting ready for. That's exciting. But for others, you're not there. And that's okay. All are welcome. But I do believe that all of us, those of us who are arrogant and anxious, those of us who are hopeful and confident, I think all of us, we want this beautiful thing that's not a thing. We want it to be true. Because it's the knowledge of another move on the chessboard of God's power to raise people from the dead that can uniquely strengthen us in the trenches of real life. How? Eugene O'Neill wrote a play, and it's called Lazarus Laughed. And it looks at Lazarus's life after Jesus called him back from the dead. And uh, as the playwright uh, puts it, as soon as he gets home, uh, his sisters ask the inevitable question. What's life like beyond the grave? And Lazarus just begins to laugh. A laugh of pure joy. And then he finally says this. There's only life. There's only laughter. The laughter of God soaring into the heights and the depths. There's no death really. Death's not the end. It's not an abyss or the entrance into nothingness or chaos. It's a portal a passageway into deeper and brighter life. There's only life, my sisters, nothing but life. The grave is not what you think. It is literally empty. It's a doorway, not destruction. And the play unfolds. Lazarus goes on to live a life marked by laughter, marked by wonder, marked by curiosity, because he, has, he now has no fear of death. That base note of fear is no longer running underneath each day. He now has an eternal perspective on his daily life, knowing that God will one day raise him from the dead. He now has no ultimate fear of failure at work, no ultimate fear of rejection in love, uh, no fear of pain, no fear of loneliness, I'm going to die one day, gym or no gym, Botox or no Botox, right? But, I know I saw you nodding, you're like, definitely no Botox. <laughs> but there is no checkmate, no checkmate. 
This church was started one day, 179 years ago to be precise, and one day this church will end. And other Christian communities will start, and they will live and seek to be faithful just like St. Paul's. And as an aside, we ourselves hope to start a new one at St. George's by the Grange. But if this thing of great unexpected beauty is actually true, if there is another move on the chessboard, then imagine, imagine the possibilities in life. Friendships, marriages, they can be healed. Because if God can raise people from the dead, God can give us the strength to forgive and sacrifice and approach a new day. Most serious forgiveness, you know, forgiveness of serious things, uh, it can't be done on our own strength, no matter what a therapist tells you. Because it's like a death. Choosing to forgive means foregoing revenge, foregoing your idea of how another person actually is. You have to forego your dream of, of how exactly your future is going to look. Serious forgiveness, like forgiveness of serious things. It's like death because you have to absorb the pain and not inflict pain on the other person who's wronged you. And to embrace that, that's incredibly hard. To embrace that, that needs a death-defying God. A God who weeps at our suffering, who weeps at injustice, just cries and laughs at the power of death. A God who can and will raise the dead. That is some power. If there's another life waiting for us, if, we don't need to put all our emotional eggs in the basket of our careers, or our health, or our retirements, or the achievements of our children. And if this life is a foretaste, a, a signpost towards the life to come, then we're going to be incredibly motivated uh, to seek justice in the present for the oppressed and uh, to feed the hungry, to comfort the abused. It's, it's like a down payment on the future. And if God is preparing a new life for us and seeking the renewal of all of creation, then Christians are going to be at the forefront of the environmental movement, partnering at COP26 in Glasgow, laboring to renew the earth as a down payment on the future. And if God plans to raise us from the dead as he raised Lazarus, what might else God be up to in your home, in this neighborhood with so many condos, in our places of work, curiosity, wonder? Today is All Hallows' Eve, Halloween, the day before All Saints' Day, a day when followers of Jesus around the world give thanks for and remember all those who've gone before us in faith. And we tend to think of, of saints as famous and well-known. You know, St. Paul, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Lazarus. But actually, saints are just regular people like you and I who are learning how to follow Jesus and uh, are only known to our families and friends and usually not as saints in our lifetimes. And today we celebrate in this beautiful place that those saints, known and unknown, are laughing around the throne of God, alive, raised from the dead. In a moment of silence about to come, I want you to ask yourself, 
what in my life might be possible if God does have the power to raise the dead? What relationship might be healed? What character trait could be developed in you? Wonder at the possibilities. Be curious about what God might be calling you to change in your life. Repent of. What habit or relationship, what pattern of materialism or anger? Be curious about what God might want to build in you or develop in your children or start right here in this Christian community of saints. Lazarus, come out. Where you're seated, let's just take a moment of silence and I'll close us in prayer. Thanks be to God. Amen.